What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pain to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoris, where every episode we're imparting the wisdom of entrepreneurs to help you guys save time and level up. And today I'm sitting with my friend, John White, owner of Ink Monster, and his incredible journey from working at a high level in a business into buying a business, taking over that business, and now operating that business today. So, John, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you, SJ. Good to see you, man. <laughs> if you guys <laughs> don't know, he always refers to me as SJ. I hit him with the yep. J-dub every now and again. Uh, we go way back. We used to work together at the agency. Yeah. And uh, how long were you there for? Eight years. Yeah, eight years. And I think uh, you and I worked together for almost all that. So yeah, pretty it's much. Been a bit now, almost. I think years. when I think I I hired you, right? Yeah, you did. You were like working at a hookah bar. <laughs> yeah, or something? I was working at a hookah That's bar. Right. Yeah, I remember his. Interview. I got an interview question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was intense. It's probably one of the best hires we've had, though. So I think you guys have heard me talk about it in podcasts as well about looking for those intangible qualities, and I think John would definitely be a guy who lived up to that because if I was just trying to look at his resume and track record, yeah, no way. It was like dude was working at a hookah bar and he had very limited experience and he went on to be a director uh, at the highest level in the organization. So dude, I'm first off, I just want to like, I'm proud of you, dude. Thanks it's man. It's freaking cool it. to see what you've done and the business that you're building, but that journey has not been easy taking yeah. over a company. Um, but before we jump into that eight years in the business, what was the itch or the moment in time? Cause I think this will be helpful for our listeners when you're like, okay, this is it. I just, I got to pull the ripcord and make the transition. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So going back, like as long as I can remember one of the first things I knew about me was I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to own a company, uh, was never really sure if that was going to be go start my own thing, um, or maybe buy something, as I got older and started learning and, and trying to understand the relationship between time and money and appreciating time for what it is, you know, the most right. valuable currency you can get, um, started leading towards buying, you know, and, and that was kind of where it started. So backing up to the hookah bar days, I, I knew I had to get out of there. I had like this just walls closing in moment and I was like, I got to make a life change. Otherwise my outlook is pretty bleak. Yeah. Um, had an interview with SJ and <laughs> got that. And then that started this series of events that I was able to kind of just stack and build momentum on. And um, <clears throat> about four years in, um, I was doing well, you know, I was making good money and um, hours were pretty straightforward, you know, a couple of weeks here and there where you got to go uh, like dig deep on that, but not, not terrible. Uh, lots of PTO, but you know, living the life. Um but I just had this like nagging thought that like, man, you are, you are compromising on everything that you knew you wanted. Mm. And, and you're just like, this was supposed to be a platform to build skills. And now you're like digging down into a trench. <laughs> and um, I got to this point where I was like, okay, I, I need to start looking. So then I started looking, you know, three years on and off for companies and, uh, we looked all over, you know, everywhere in the state, looked at all kinds of different verticals. My my philosophy was, hey, I, I'm looking for a good profile fit. I'm not looking for one industry. Um, what was that profile fit? What was? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I wanted, I was hoping to find like a really good mesh with what I brought to the table. So I felt like I could bring uh, personal development, leadership, business development, marketing, sales, uh, a lot of the soft skills that get overlooked in business owners, especially trades. And um, 
I wanted to find somebody who was basically like at the end of the rope, burnt out. They had paid their dues. They put in their time and they were like, dude, I'm, this is not what I wanted. It's not what I signed up for. I'm, I got to get out. So one, so one person's pain is another person's yeah, profits. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's right. Um, so three years off and on, you're looking three years for something off and like on. that. And what, what, what were some of the businesses that you went deep on before you got to this one? So honestly, not much. The pool gets pretty small, pretty fast. When you start, uh, there's this whole learning curve. You got to figure out like, what is feasible? What can I, what can I extend out to and leverage to get? Right. Um, where do I want to leverage to get? Do I want to be in junction or no, maybe not. So yeah, nobody wants to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that narrows the pool down and then, um, you know, you may fill out 30 inquiries or, or contact 30 different people and you might hear from five to eight, It's yeah. kind of disheartening, but that's what it is, you know? And then you get those, uh, you get the executive synopsis, right? This is the marketing brochure, my one pager for why you should buy my company. You know? yeah. And uh, so those are all dolled up and look real pretty. Yeah. We, we uh, always say uh, you just take everything the broker gives you and throw it in the trash. Yeah. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. This is, this is absolutely everything you dreamed about. Yeah. You know, that, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So um, you get, you got to learn though. You got to learn how to like parse what they're actually saying. And then from there you might inquire about like half of those, you know, um, and then from that half, you go meet and, uh, pretty quickly, like I'm, I'm an instinct person. I, I love going off that. And, um, a lot of that you, you get there and you're like, okay, you know, not for me. Um, or like, oh, this is not at all what you said it is, yeah, you know, the kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so that, that narrows it down really quickly, to be honest, you know, and, and when you're. I know there's a lot of private deals out there. I primarily leverage like um, bizbuysell.com and stuff like that uh, to to do some of that, you know, upfront legwork. Um, Quite question for you. Hmm? When you found Ink Monster, yeah. was there a broker in that conversation or was it seller? There was initially a broker, yeah. Initially a broker? Yeah. Did the broker stay with the deal or the broker? No, the, the, there was a, a whole series of events there and the broker ended up dropping out. Um it had to be a legal process for that because if you're buying a business and you're looking online, you will almost guarantee to sign a piece of paper at some point that says you only will transact with that broker. Yep. And that's way up front before you ever know it. So um, that happened in this situation and long and short, part of the negotiations, the broker was not really effective. No offense to the guy. He just, he, he couldn't do any of the work we were doing. So right. we just started working together, which they don't want you to do. And one thing led to another and that he just kind of took a step out. And well, that I mean, that, did he like say, Hey guys, I think I'm just going to step out of the deal or did he say it was the seller? The seller basically brought it to the broker. Cause that was the person who's on the hook to pay him. Right. right? And he said, hey, this is the situation. And to be honest, like I'm, we're doing everything and I appreciate this, but we're, it's not going to work. So that, that ended up being part of the transaction. We had to have a piece of paper that said, I'm not responsible for it. You're not responsible for it. I just want to throw some color in there because one of the things that's interesting about business brokering is there is no licensing for that. I know. We looked into it. It's crazy. Anybody (laughs) can be a business broker. Yep. The only time you need a license is when real estate's involved. But Mm. even then, if you don't have a real estate license, you would just use an attorney to square up all those details. You're already using an attorney anyways. And a lot of times the business attorney can handle like the retrading on a lease or something yeah. like that. So just 
be cautious if you're going down that route of using a business broker, but also 100%. Um, on the other side of it, if you're selling a business, you know, it's really hard to tell who's who. And, you know, I think the biggest thing a broker can help you with ultimately is their marketing platform. And most of them don't really have a marketing platform. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's a great point. Cause you know, I was stunned at some of those rates that these brokers are getting. Some of them 10, are 10 15, to 20%. Yeah. And so you got to ask yourself if you are looking at, you know, a, a succession plan or exiting, you, you really want to do your homework on that because to be honest, um, there is nothing that that broker did in this situation um, that a, a motivated person uh, who owns a company or something like they they could do it hundred right. percent. Yeah. You know, there's no reach that, that they have that you're not going to be able to get. So, <clears throat> so you, the, you, you sift through all these businesses. Yeah. You finally well, get COVID to, hit. and then you hit COVID. Yeah. And COVID, the, you know, we, we'd been looking on and off and on and off and then COVID happened. And that was, that was the dichotomy shift. That was where, uh, all of my efforts, 10 X over time, because I remember, you know, everything, just like everybody else, everything was stable. Everything was consistent, predictable. Love it. Um, and COVID comes in, shuts it down. And I was very quickly, you know, I knew in my position at that time, like, Hey dude, you're pretty far down on the list of like, you'll be here. Like you'll be one of like 10 guys slugging it out. Right, <laughs> if right. we get to that, you're going to be okay. Um, but what drove me nuts was conversations about my income, my livelihood, my security, my family's security, all that were being hap- happening, you know, at tables overnight, every day. Um, it was a little bit of a whiplash. And I had no say in it. Yeah. You know, that just, that just put a pit in my stomach and a fire in my belly. Like I was just, I okay, go. it's go time. Yeah. Like I'm not, it sounds odd to some, but no, I'd, I would actually much rather go through something like that with the position I'm in now because I have more degree of control, I feel, you know. I'll, yeah, because if worse comes to worse, you can start making phone calls and get on the phone yeah, and sell. Yeah. Step into a different role. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll shift. I'd, I'd like to have more leverage, I think, is what it came down to. You know, I, yeah. I want to know that I have more levers to pull here and I have a greater degree of control. And the thing is, is, if we're all navigating COVID all at the same time, well, then that's a that's an equalizer. We're all the same. We're all figuring that out. No one's better at it or worse, you know. Right. So, <laughs> but other people did have more say, or they had less say, and I didn't like being on that side of the fence. So, uh, ratcheted up time, effort, and energy going into that, and came close on a company. Actually, went down to Berthid, um, met with him, and what kind of business? It was a landscaping company, which I wasn't like. I wasn't really feeling like drawn to that or like sucked into that by any means, but, um, you know, numbers, dollar sense, it looked like, you know, they've been around for a bit and uh, had a decent operation going. So started kind of looking under the hood, met him. Uh, so when we met, he says, uh, well, Hey, look, I'm about to go on my annual trip. I go down to Mexico and I scuba dive every year. And, um, let's pick this up when I get back. I'm like, man. So I go home and I tell my wife, I'm like, I've worked with enough of those guys to know he will come back and he will look himself in the mirror and he will say, I got one more year of me. (laughs) So I said, we're not going to buy this company. So he comes back and uh, I got my email teed up, ready to go, send it out. And uh, 
before I could send it, well, I'm literally about to send it. I get an email from him and it says, Hey man, company's not for sale. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I figured. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So that was pretty, uh, I, I don't really know how to explain it. I, I think like I was getting pretty excited about the prospect because you're, you're like taking steps towards actualizing a vision, which is exciting. It should be exciting every time, yep. but you have to have that gut check too of like, is this the right step to actualize the vision? Cause there's, there's so many of them and there's so many different routes. So I was, yeah. And that, that instinct, man, that's, that's the value of having a broker on the, on the buy side who can yeah. help you navigate through that. Yeah. Um, cause not everybody has that gut instinct. Cause yeah. I, you know, I've looked at tons of businesses mm-hmm. and every, every financial is different. The yep. way that they do their balance <laughs> sheets different, the way that they deliver their marketing thing. Sometimes yep. there's a broker involved. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes I prefer when there's a broker involved for the type of business. Yeah. Sometimes you can tell that they're blowing smoke. Sometimes you don't know enough and you got to bring in another party from the outside. So that instinct, man, is crucial because that's a big, big risk, you know? Yeah. It's everything, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're sitting around in capital and you're ready to go, you know, that's one thing. But um, a lot of us aren't. You know, yeah. a lot of us are out there and they're just like me that, you have real conversations with either yourself or your wife or whomever it is. And you're like, are we willing to put everything on, on the line? Yeah. Collateralize our house, put some down payments (laughs) down, you know, our personal, our rental, our everything. And then the only thing, you know, in our case, they were like, what about your 401k guy? I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, uh, so everybody's a little bit different, but, uh, most, most of us have that same crossroads right where it's like are you gonna do everything are you gonna risk everything on you yeah and so you um, better be sure when you yeah. buy that business so um went down uh to my basement because i was like man i just back to the grindstone like that's but at this point like i swear i could i could tell you just about every company for sale in colorado that matched my criteria because right. i just knew it i'd spent so much time on there and uh, I was just fiddling around with filters again, setting up my queue to get my searches refined. And um, for whatever reason, man, I cannot tell you. I, I honestly, like, I'm a Christian. I think it was, I think that's when God intended for this conversation to happen. That's what I genuinely believe. But uh, I came across this listing that I, I presume I'd seen before, but I never, never drew my attention, you know. Um, so I click into that. And uh, inquire, get the brochure. And when I opened the brochure, I felt different immediately. Like I felt like this is something different. Did you and get excited? Was it like, oh yeah, this kind is what of. I've been looking for? No, I mean, kind of. It was not really the excitement that most people would like associate with excitement. It like was, waiting to go to Disneyland excitement? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not like that. It was more like, um, man, how would I describe that? It would be like a like the beginning of a storm in a good way if yeah. that, you know, it's like that anticipation that's building and you know, okay, this we're on to something. Now yeah. what it will look like, I'm not quite sure, but I know that this is something different. Well, I, I, like that's that. also a testament <clears throat> to the amount of reps you got into to know what a good deal would look like and maybe yeah. look like. Yeah. Cause there were so many, you get those after a while and you're like, no, yeah. I don't need to go in for <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
So one thing led to another, man, and that took um, about 12 months, uh, just on and off, ups and downs, uh, twists and turns. You know, there are two different times where we thought, you know, deal's dead, but... Uh, 12 months to close the deal? 12 months, yeah. Why did it take so long? Um, it's a great question. Uh, SBA stuff is is just like it is wading through mud. And this is also 2020. This process started 2020. So this is like peak government incompetence. Like <laughs> <laughs> we're talking, you know, all the red tape is still there and it's really uh, cumbersome, but now like half the staff are there and nobody's willing to work. So, uh, I tell people this all the time. Like if I wasn't part of the deal, the deal would not have happened. Like just, it would not have the people that are supposed to get paid to do this stuff. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like we talked to a lot of people, met a lot of good people and there were good components and like individual performances, but the team, no. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's how, you know, Becky's out of the office yeah. and it's on her desk. Yeah. And so, oh, shoot, you know, it's late November. We'll talk to you in January. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's five o'clock. I got to go. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. That's constant. So it took you probably, what, eight months to get the loan approved? Um, Yeah, on and off, which was crazy because during that process, it is so hard to find real information because what you'll find if you go right now and you go Google it, you're going to find a bunch of like, blogs and articles and some content out there and a lot of it's from the people who are selling this stuff because the way the SBA sets this up you know it's it's like any government they they're backing the money but the private market and banks are the ones who are kind of doing the transacting and um it's just so hard to navigate like what does the SBA say is true right and therefore it's going to be a common denominator across every PLP I talk to and what is this bank's preference versus that banks and are they willing to get into this market and they aren't and what collateral are they comfortable with and what are they not and those are all those are all individual decisions and so it's a whole world that i feel like i know a decent amount now um what what would your advice there be for somebody who's thinking about buying a business as it relates to like sba banking relationships yeah um so first things first, it's like an it's like any other financial product. Shop it, find someone you trust, find someone you like. What you use to rack and stack and quantify that, that's up to you. You know, for me, it's different than than you. And um, so you got to find somebody that you are comfortable with. Uh, you do not have to work with somebody here. Uh, you can work with anybody in the country that is willing to do business in your state who is an SBA PLP. The PLP you definitely want to work with. That's a preferred lending partner. And so what what that means is the SBA has essentially entrusted the PLP with autonomy to basically rubber stamp deals on their behalf. Mm-hmm. It still goes to the SBA for funding. Um, but they can expedite. Yeah, they can expedite it because they're like, wait, we, we trust, you know, Samson Gior's bank. So we're going to stamp that. We're going to move. Whereas if you don't go with that, they may not know what they're doing. And then therefore you may put all this legwork and haul that money for the attorneys and everything to have it rejected. And you don't want that. So go with a PLP. Did you have that relationship before you found this company or did you kind of do it all at the same time? Uh, all at the same time because I, I started to put out feelers. Um, I needed to understand like, what do I need to come to the table with? And realistically, how much can I leverage? Like, what can I get? And where's the line? Who's going to stop me? Where? And and do I need to stop me before 
you got to stop me because right. I, I don't want to get in that situation. Totally. So, um, excuse me. So, um, yeah, I kind of started, uh, locally here in Denver and then, uh, Fort Collins area. There's a lot of them. And I started with probably a list of three to five questions that are probably the most obvious. Um, you know, what should I plan for down payment, um, terms, stuff like that. Yep. And then after every conversation I had, I would add like five more questions for the next one and the next one. And then by the time I got through this, I had like 28 questions I had written down on a notepad on my phone. So Do I you still have just, that? Uh, maybe. might be in the cloud still. Dude, I would love for okay. you to share that piece of content with, <laughs> yeah. with the audience and like put together a questionnaire for yeah. buying a business. That would be so good. Yeah, I'll look for it. I know I have the ones that I was asking the brokers, which I think is equally as helpful because, again, once you go through these deals enough times, it's like you're stacking all this knowledge, every rep. And so I had the same thing for the brokers. You know, the, when I, when I got to Ink Monster, I sent the broker like, I think 30 some questions <laughs> and he didn't respond. And I like, called him the next morning at like seven. I was like, Hey dude, I've reached out to you over the form. I sent you an email I'm calling you. Yeah. This is like 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Where's <laughs> my then, answer? Yeah. Didn't hear back from him. Called him at four. He's like, Hey dude, following up. And then, um, he got back to me the next day, which drove me nuts. Because the whole day, I'm like, I'm losing this deal, man. You know, it's gone. Somebody else yeah, is buying yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, so he got back to me the next day and kind of like tongue-in-cheek. He's like, hey, buddy, you know, a lot of good questions there, but we got we to gotta maybe kiss before we get married kind of thing. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. Not, Understood. That might be fair, but yeah. it's important information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um so yeah, that that's that kicked off twelve months of that, and uh, two big setbacks there were um, taxes. Um, being a small business is, is tough, and and you know it. Every, you know your listeners yeah. out there, they know it. Like it's a constant dance of you fight so hard all year to earn money, and then it comes to tax time, and you're like, how do we not? How do we invest this money and not pay? You know, junk load of taxes on it, and right. how do I put it to use? You know, meaningful use. Right. Um, and the problem there that you run into is like a lot of these companies are in that same boat. So you have owners who know what what the books look like and what they're putting into it. And then you get to the to the tax portion of it and the SBA, you know, they're looking at all this stuff too, but they're not looking at the context on the initial numbers. They're not scrubbing that. Now there is room for this in the SBA process with the PLP. That's part of the nice part is there's room for the human element. There's room for me to listen to you and believe in you and then decide if we're going to play with our numbers. So right. that's nice. There is there is opportunity there. But <clears throat> there were a couple things in the books that were, it was like for the SBA, it's a non-starter right now because this is, we're coming off COVID and they have different rules. Um, so we had to wait for a tax filing to come in and then, uh, there so was, they could sure up the taxes on the business. And yeah, because be, they want to be make sure that right. And then in this company, in this in this particular case, it was actually uh, the the former owner. Um, he basically kind of he'd he'd wanted to sell for years, which that's the thing that caught me off guard because I he the business had been for sale for I think two years publicly, and I'd never recognized or seen this listing. So when he yeah. told me that, I was pretty stunned actually because it was like no way dude like yeah, i've seen all of them <laughs> <laughs> so uh that 
That um that was a setback because the numbers were so he he left. He like literally packed his bags and was gone for a year and the company cratered by like forty percent. Um which there's a reason for that. Because he thought it was done deal. No, no, no. This was this yeah. was years before. So when we're when we're presenting our numbers to everybody, they're seeing this like scarlet letter from mm. three years ago and they're like What happened? Problem. Yeah, and they're, yeah, exactly. What happened? What happened? What happened? I answered that time. I answered that question probably five times. And um, God's honest truth is he like there's a lot of structural problems in the company, and he never wanted to address them, but he did want to leave and quit and enjoy like freedom of time and autonomy and stuff like that. All the things that we try to do, and um, so he, we had to wait for those numbers to drop off because twenty twenty for everything it was. Uh, the company came out pretty good financially. So we had to wait for that year to drop off to round out uh, 2020 going into 2021. So your three-year trailing financial would be clean. Yeah, oh exactly. we got to cook the books. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, that's just the window of time that they're going to look back in, right? Yep. So, yeah. so partially just letting that burn off and letting the new yep. year turnover reset the clock. Yep, they want to see that track record and, and some stability. And fortunately, um, the company adapted very well throughout COVID and, and made some good changes that uh, actually allowed them to grow revenues through that period. Um, but then we ran into a, a situation with uh, the building. So it wasn't a real estate purchase. It was just a, an asset purchase for the company itself. Um, and the the company, the, the owner of the company at the time, he owned the building. So all of his personal assets, the property and the business, they were all really entangled. Yeah. So I know there's a lot, of, like I don't own our comp or our building, um, but I know there's a lot of you guys out there that do own the building and the business. You want to keep those clean because yeah. when you get to the point that you want to make a clean exit, if you want to maybe entertain a structure like that where you have a real estate transaction or keep the real estate or whatever it is, it's it's way harder to go back and untangle those. So. Yes, set, set up a different LLC, which they should be guiding you to do. Yep. Sign a lease with yourself as the business. And honor it because yeah. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't like, when you go to look at somebody's numbers, if you're not even, yeah, I mean, maybe you're you're taking money out of the left to put it in the right. That's fine. It, it may be annoying, but do it because right. it's going to save you a mountain of like headache and, and strife down the road. Well, yeah. If, if you want exit optionality, you better be 100% clear books in the future. Yep. Set it up so that like, that's part of my philosophy that I, I, you know, talk to my team about now is like, you want to make decisions for who you want to be down the road. Cause by the time you get there, it's too late. Yeah. Like if, if you wait to do all this stuff, you're just going to have to start a different clock. Whereas yeah. if you start that now and you start structuring things that way, you'll get there. But so 12 months ago, <laughs> you finally close. We close. What? So quick question. Yeah. What did you do? Was there like a, was it like, yeah. Was it like that Emmett Smith Super Bowl? Commercial yeah. Where he does like a bench press. He's like, ah, breaks over. <laughs> just like gets back to it or what? Um, no. So I'm a sentiments person. Like I, uh, like I, I might not have a, as like many relationships or friendships, but the few I have, they're deep. And, uh, so, um, a big part of like my inspiration was my grandfather. Uh, he, he bought a company. I mean, he, he was a sales guy for a long time and, and he always just kind of worked hard. Like yeah. he never had the best deck that was dealt to him, you know, yep. but he worked hard his whole life. And, um, 
the gemstone on his career, he bought a company that was like just dead, like life support, you know, <laughs> like head over heels in debt. Yeah. Um, he got, uh, he bought it. I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars in 2008 or something. So he, or anyway, he bought it for dirt cheap, head over heels in debt. Nobody was like, you're crazy, Paul. Yeah, you you know? can have the company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, 11 years later, he sold it for 25 million bucks. Wow. And they owned everything. They owned everything. They expanded new buildings. They set up an entire um, 401k program that was funded by the company solely. Uh, and the majority of his employees, this is East Texas. So the majority of his employees are like single black moms. Yeah. And so my he built all this by just taking care of people and working hard and just fundamentally believed in like doing the right thing by people and he built something great you know that's freaking sweet so that my dad's been in this my mom and dad are, are just you know beyond blessed with them too and their guidance and their help and um just the discipline that i think they help instill you know coming from a military background both your parents are academy grads you're you're bound to pick up a couple good nuggets <laughs> so um i took uh, we, we got to the closing table and, and, uh, I told the seller, I was like, dude, I'm showing up in a suit and a tie. Like I'm coming in my Sunday best. So, uh, he came to the table all dressed up, you know, closing was odd because we, we just did it as attorney's place. And to my actual like dismay, there was no, no physical person from the bank, the, the bank's attorney or anybody that was at the transaction table. Right. It was me. I went to Kinko's that night and I printed off like two sets of the docs. Cause I was like, if, if something goes wrong, we're going to have a backup. So I printed off like hundreds of sheets of paper. The lady tried to kick me out of Kinko's. I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, I'm not leaving the store. Um, so I brought my, my uh, grandfather's, he, he had this uh, gold cross pen with his initials graved on it. So I brought that to sign all the docs with and uh, I brought this medallion that my dad gave me from when he was overseas on 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 tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, all that stuff. So I had a couple like just tokens that were important to me. And uh, my wife came down. Well, she's co-owner, so she she had to come down. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my, and she loves you and supports you. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And then um, my sister came down, took some pictures. So closing was like. Again, it was actually kind of similar to how I felt when I first read the brochure. It was like this calm, like anticipation about the next moment, you know, an excitement for it, but not. That's when you know it's right, though. This like yeah. there's like this weird sense of peace that comes over you, over you, yeah. that you know you're making the right decision. Yeah, doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Yeah, but you you know that like whatever's on the other side of this thing, I'm ready for that's, the work. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be, and like. I don't know what it'll be, but I know like that's what I'm supposed to do. So let's go. <laughs> Did you guys go out and celebrate after that? No. Uh, go to dinner or something at least? No, went to work. Let's go. I, yeah, I was like. Let's go. No uh, shortcuts. You see yeah, that right there? Yeah. Well, the seller, he did, you know, and I'm like, yeah, good for you, dude. Like, yeah, you, great. You just did what you wanted to do for 15 years, you know? Yeah. I'm starting. Like, you, this is a totally different feeling right now for you and me. Can I ask you a question? Is Was, was he an older guy? Uh, he's about 15 17 years older. Yeah. So what is that? Uh, like late forties. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you guys are listening to that, I mean, we're, we're about to experience the largest wealth transfer in history. Yeah. So you mentioned that posted on LinkedIn about, it. I was like, uh, 
It's so true. $31 trillion. Yeah. All the industry. It is. It's amazing because every single day there are people all over the country right now making decisions about what we are talking about. They're deciding, is now the year I'm going to exit or am I going to go scuba dive for a year and I'm going to come back and do one more? Yep. But you're only going to do that so many more times. And the people who are planning, who are ready, who are disciplined, um, it's a cliche, but you don't have to be the best. You just got to show up. Just yeah. show up. Keep taking your reps and your opportunity will come if that's what you want. But like, I also know that if you don't want it, that's okay. You're not going to take the reps. You'll find a reason not to. And and that's okay. Just but But be honest at that point and just take it at face value and be like, hey, I learned something about me and that's not what I want to do. Great. You have a Really, really important piece of information before you made a mistake. So that's good. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be bashful about it, you know. But if you're taking the reps and you're waking up and you're spending your free time like just frantically searching for information, like you're probably it. You're probably the real deal. Trust it. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're considering selling your business, uh, we'd love for <laughs> yeah, you guys to yeah. send us a message. Uh, no, ser- sincerely, uh, you know, I sp- candidly, one of the things that we're building is a platform to be able to do that. So we're, we're bringing in platform entrepreneurs, which are talented people just like yourself. We're in a similar position. We're like, dude, I have these skills and I'm ready to go take the next step. Mm-hmm. But it's impossible to buy a company without great people to go run those companies. You know, So yeah. part of what we're doing is building this platform of entrepreneurs. We're also consulting uh, for equity in businesses to help them yeah. go to the next level. Um, and we're ultimately building a private equity platform. But you can't buy small businesses without great people. So yeah. if that's you... Uh, and you want to consider being a part of the the platform, and or you have a business, man, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, that's great. I think that's a that's a really good um, underserved area to help. You know, it's just in a lot of ways, like we live in a crazy age of information, and yeah. there are so many dark, empty places <laughs> where you cannot find good, actionable, real intel. Business, and, uh, business buying is one of those areas. It's, it's like, tough, yeah. Think about how residential real estate used to be and then that got modernized. You yep. know what I mean? And then commercials on its way, but it's still controlled by the broker in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, business, there's no regulating body. Yeah, and nothing. especially when it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's tougher when it's private because yes. you don't, excuse me, you don't have a, like you don't have a, a guide. You don't have a, you don't have a, quarterly earnings report to go look at you don't have a what do you call them section k's or whatever it is you know you don't you don't have the market constantly reminding you what it's worth yes and and what you should and can do with it there's none of that and it's like you're trying to figure out like which part of this is just your you know your slush fund that you put (laughs) somewhere in here and so you needed these three cars for what (laughs) yeah exactly um well let's let's jump to the next part so ink the deal you jump in you're in the trenches uh, what what was the date on that that you closed? July 1, 2021. 2021. So, yeah. okay, so we're like a year and a half in, yeah. going on almost two Feels years. like 10, seems like two. <laughs> I mean, two months. I don't so know. what have been the biggest <laughs> challenges? Yeah. Um, And let's kind of like hit the wave tops initially. Yeah. And then I want to go back and say, knowing that, what would you have done different? Sure. Um, I think biggest challenges are one, like um, it, it requires a different kind of leadership. Um, being the entrepreneur. Yeah. Being the entrepreneur, being the owner, being the CEO. Uh, it's a different weight. It's a different burden. Um, so that, that's one, I think, uh, leadership in the company, you know, I, uh, over 12 months, you kind of 
pick up little things here and there, cues. And I detected that there were skeletons in the closet. I just didn't know what they looked like yet. Um, but once we got in, it was, I mean, day one, I was like, oh, we have a culture problem. <laughs> we got a people problem. And um, I got to fix that at some point. I got to yeah. get more information, but I'll fix it. Um, so that was a problem. And then just, I think like in my brain, you know, going through the due diligence, I'm, I am doing some framing, right? I'm like, okay, there's a system for that. There's a process for that. There's structure. Um, and a lot of that narrative didn't pan out the way it was like, to be frank, it was like the company was just winging it for 18 years or, or 16 years at the time. And, um, lots of esoteric knowledge just trapped in people's hundred percent. It was like, uh, locked behind a firewall and, um, just navigating that with, uh, just the human element, you know, ego and pride and hubris, um, yeah. trying to get like dig that stuff out. Cause I think, you know, in my situation, there are people that were hoarding that as like a job security token, you know, as like safety play. Yeah. Um, well, sales. I think it's important too, just in this case, the owner stayed on as the salesperson. Yeah. That's basically what I'm talking about. Yeah. Cause we, um, most of these transactions, uh, even if you go privately, if you go private money, there's typically an earnout structure where they're incentivized to be behaved well, you know, in the SBA, they typically want to see the owner carry 10%, um, five to 10%. They want the owner to stay hooked onto it. But they also don't want the owner to work there in any significant. It's so it's the government, like it's exactly what you would expect. So they a bunch um, of people have never run a company yeah. trying to tell you how to run a company. Yeah, exactly. Like that dude you're buying the company from. We don't want him involved, but he's got to stay involved a little <laughs> bit, not too much. So, um, yeah, uh, stayed on. Plan there was for him to be on for a year. That's the SBA's general SOP guidance is like no more than twelve months. Um as a W2. So, uh, he stayed on, we got through, I think three and a half months, maybe four. And, um, that, that was one of the biggest struggles and, uh, I'm thankful for it because, um, it really expedited, I think, in my opinion, it expedited a lot of my learning curves and challenges that I, I'm inevitably going to have to get through and overcome. But, I had a, I was blessed with the opportunity to do that very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember we were having coffee talking about yeah. this dynamic and it was the, it was an interesting dynamic in the sense that he no longer owned the business. He yep. was now an employee, Yeah, but he, he had an identity crisis. Like he still 100%. wanted to like kind of act or give the illusion that he was still the owner. His friends would come visit. Yeah. Make sure he'd park in the owner's spot. Yeah. He would park like, yeah. And I, I, to be honest, like I, I prayed about it a lot. I thought about it a lot. Talked to my wife about it a lot, and I empathize with them. I do, because yep. um, unlike a lot of the people I'm sure that are listening to this, I'm not a founder. You know, I can't say that now. I don't. I'm not attached to that. It doesn't bother me, but I do think it gives me a degree of an advantage actually, because this is not something that. Um, I'm stepping in and take it to the next level. I don't yeah. have these deeply rooted, like, uh, you know, ego moments. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that stuff, you know, and, and 
so this this particular person, um, I empathize with it. I was very frank with him. I mean, he he was frank with me. He was like, dude, this is way harder for me to do than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'm just cool being, that he Yeah. I mean, we we would have those weird like up and downs, you know. It was always like one day I'd come home and like, hey, we had such a great conversation today. You know, <laughs> he told me this and like I knew he was feeling that, but I think he just realized that. <laughs> and uh then the next day it'd be all gone out the window kind of thing. Yeah, so um, slash his tires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um navigating that with him and I, I i was patient you know um but we just got to like a fork in the road and um you couldn't reset the culture if he was no. still there undermining the culture yeah and i mean i even put him remote like a month and a half in i was like dude go work remote I'm like we're good go work yeah. remote and i thought that would help it didn't like I, I that to me was a half like a half measure of me trying to avoid a real problem and I did that and it sucked. <laughs> like I was like, but that's great. Like I needed it. I needed to know like, dude, you chickened out Yeah. and here's the real call and you're going to make it or you're going to live with this every single day. And yeah. some advice, like I can't remember where I read this or heard it, but basically anytime you get in a situation like that, you get three options. You can live with it, you can change it, or you can remove it. Mm. And so I tried changing it. I wasn't comfortable living with it. I had to remove it. <laughs> like it's just simple, you know? Um, so once you got rid of him, did you have to overhaul some other people? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they were loyalists to him? Like, oh, this no. is how we do things, no, John. No, they did not. It was not like that. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this this guy kind of isolated himself. Like it was, it was the me show and everybody was there as a like stagehand to support that production yeah um and i mean i'm not i do not like i don't harbor anything about it it's just how it was yeah like just calling a spade a spade yeah and so and it works well for him you know for a bit and it it, the point is it, it accomplished what he wanted it to and so that's okay it's not how i would do it it's not how i do it and um i I don't know how to describe it. I just, I just call it, it was basically PTSD. It was like this weird version of like, uh, people didn't know how to behave because it was such a shift that I was trying to do that they couldn't adopt it for a while. And there were some people that never adopted it. So we had to move on, you know, and was it, was it because they, they saw you like the other owner and how he ran things? And they were maybe scared. They, they were just it was like an unwillingness to change thing. It was an it was a mindset. Yeah, it was an attitude thing. Because there's there's uh three or four people stayed on through that. And to be honest, like I I still wonder, like, why did you guys work here? Like yeah. here some of the stuff I hear and what happened, it's like you know, I mean, there was it's pretty crazy. I mean, there's just people yelling at him, or he would yell at them, screaming them, cuss them out, threaten them, all kinds of stuff, and they would just they gutted it, it, man. Oof. They gutted it. And so they they stayed on. But when you stay on and you work for an environment like that, it's tough to trust me when I come in. I'm like, hey, like, if I ask you a question, it's not it's not an accusation. It's it's like me trying to learn. I'm new here, right? You've yeah. worked here longer than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn. And um, there are all these walls. And in some regards, 
there are some still, but we beat most of those back. And the only way to do that was by like action and like doing what you say. Like yeah. people need to get to the point where they're like, I like what he's saying, but I don't know if I trust it yet. And my instinct says don't. So then they would revert to these behaviors that they did before. But then I would have to call them out on the other side of that. Like, hey, no, I'm, you know, I'm not... I'm not asking to insinuate. I'm asking for you to just teach me. Yeah. And then they're like, when you connect with the person and you get transparent with them and they get vulnerable and then they're like, oh, then they see it. You know, it's like right there in their face and they're like, I'm kind of hardwired this way. I got to trust that guy. Yeah. And so, um, so, so earning those people's trust, you know, um, and they, you know, to their credit, they, a lot of them work there, you know, under him still longer than me. So, uh, to, to undo all that was pretty quick, you know, they, they made a good change. And then some, some people just, uh, they were hired in under different circumstances. You know, the, my hiring philosophy was different than what was being used at the time that before it was very experience driven. I don't care about that. I'm like, I want to find people I believe in that I yeah. want to work with. And, uh, yeah, the a core value alignment yeah. and potential is so much better than, yeah. Trying to beat a dead horse. Yeah, we'll teach you. Like, I don't, great, you, you've done this before, but not here. Yeah. And so, like, I'm going to be fighting an uphill battle there. So I would rather, every day I'll take somebody that uh, I believe in who they are and, and what they believe in. If they sell me on who they are, then we'll teach them the other stuff. Beyond uh, culture shift, which is probably the most important dynamic shift, what were the other value-add opportunities that you saw? Mm-hmm when you bought the business and have uh, been working on implementing? Um, honestly, it, I don't know if we're necessarily at that stage yet. Cause a lot of what I've been working on is still structural. It's, um, and I mean, maybe that's a, a value add in what you're kind of talking about. But it is. I mean, getting the right people in the right seat on the bus yeah. is a huge value add. That's been, that was one of the first things. Was yeah, so you you kind of got that. There's obviously still some work to be done. Sure. A year and a half, I mean, probably the first six months, you're just trying to get your head wrapped around everything. Yep. So it's really only been 12 months. Yep. So what's the next thing? Where do you see the, the opportunities? Because yep. you saw something in the business beyond yeah. you know, what it was doing. What it was doing. Yeah, 100%. Um, marketing. That's one thing like I brought to the table. So I, I'm trying to... You're kind of good at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're really... Um, reinventing the presence online um, and just trying to, this industry in a lot of ways is uh, slow to adapt. It's, it's this bizarre culture of like you have white collar and blue collar all in one and there's a lot of old habits and there's a lot of people who are looking at selling and getting out. So um, we're, we're kind of coming up to uh, like this technology adoption process where um we're implementing a new end-to-end solution for our software for all of our ops inside. Um, and this will help standardize everything from the inception of a, of a conversation with the lead or prospect to the nurturing of them after a job's completed. Um, so we're working on that, uh, a big thing that, uh, I took from you actually, and that we've been implementing on a 12 month rollout is the EOS system. So we're doing our, um, you know, got our right people in the right seats to to start with. I had our presentation and kind of taught people fundamentals about EOS and um, 
now we're we're implementing that in a four quarter rollout, which has uh, been a lot of fun. And um, even just the dedicated touch points has been a huge value add for us because it's it's we have a nucleus, right? We we have our uh, our core team that we're constantly level setting. You know, what's this problem over here? How does my decision here impact you? You know, ten steps down line, and vice versa. And then it also is, you know, we're we're actually able to coach and distribute information. Like we're able to coach it to a, a core team and then cascade that information down so that we can level everybody up. And yeah, that's awesome. that's been huge. Um just that one thing. So that that's a big component. And then um not like we do a lot of custom work. So this is kind of a balance that we still juggle with, but we're we're not trying to be everybody's solution. And, um, that's okay. I think, um, there's a, I think this is a recommendation you gave to me too, is, um, built to sell. Oh yeah. Good book. Yeah. read that. And, uh, I loved the simplicity of it. It's like, just don't, don't spread all these things out. Just like dig really deep and get really, really good at this one thing. So we're not quite that siloed into like just one thing. Um, but we're we're actually pretty close because we do almost just exclusively vinyl. Like we're not doing channel letters and and um, you know big signs that you're attaching to uh, like a 3D dimensional sign. We're not doing that. We're doing all your custom vinyl graphics, whether it's a sticker, a car, or a building. We got you. How did you settle on that? Um, because that's what we do so well. It feels like everything else is like pushing on like a giant boulder uphill. It's not your thing. Yeah, it's it's uh. It, it it's just when I look at the company, we do have a dye sublimation division where we're doing custom manufacturing, cut and sew USA made apparel. It's awesome. It's great. Love it. If you want some, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that process is a different company. It is a different company within our company. Different process, different setup, different like uh, different margins. Uh, kind of yes, we have one person who's kind of spearheading that for us, and then us. It, we're just drafting the SOPs for that too. But it's like one of those, it's like you're on a train and you're moving and you're moving. It's like, oh, hey, stop. We got to go get Paul. Yeah. And it's like, okay, everybody, let's stop this 50. <laughs> let's stop all of this right now. Exactly. Okay, we got you, Paul. Great. Okay. And then you start building that momentum again. And that's, you know, wrestling with that. It's still something I do because I'm like, you know, that's a business. Do we want to continue in that? in that footprint and keep like, are we actually going to invest in this, figure out how to do it right in terms of like making it a profitable like division of our company or should we just dial in, dial in on, on vinyl, you know? So, um, things like that, you know, uh, there, there's not the, the SOPs I can't understate because, um, SOP standard operating procedure. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, there's the turnover was so high before I got there. There was never a way to build knowledge. It was like a revolving door. I mean, I, I say this all the time. Like, if you do not have SOPs, if you do not document your standard operating procedures and your core processes, and if your team does not understand them and do them as it's documented, you don't have a company. Mm-hmm. What you have is a group of contractors who are 
1099 is in actuality dis, dis, uh, disguised as a W-2. Right. So, like, you don't actually you pick, you know? Like, it, it's 1099s serve a great void in the market. So, but if you want a company, if you want W-2s, you got to build a system and a process, and you got to get the people in there to understand it, improve upon it, and do it. Here's, here's a little nugget because we've experienced this in scaling the company that we yeah. were part of. Um, one of your key signs that there aren't good SOPs is when you ask somebody, what's the process? And they say, oh, just watch me. Yeah. <laughs> what's our process for selling? Let's just show what's I'll the goal. Just watch yeah. me. I call it the watch me method. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm just going to magically absorb it so nobody can ever get up to speed on time because they don't even know what the playbook is, you know? Yeah. Well, and you don't either because to Correct. be fair, you're only human. And like what you do today if you don't have that for yourself, it's like Jocko's, you know, discipline equals freedom. Like yes. if, if you don't have that discipline, which discipline will naturally translate to a regimen, some sort of checklist or a process. If you don't have it, you won't do it the same either. Yes. Like you're going to come in and wing every day of your own. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that's been a huge thing. Cause we, like we actually got to a point in the summer where uh, like I got rid of one of our designers in April. It was an attitude thing. It was just like, I could not flip that switch. <laughs> and I, I didn't plan on getting rid of her. We had this hour long dialogue. I thought we were making great progress, you know, and then we got to like the final five minutes and I was issued an ultimatum of like, do what I want or I'm going to have a really bad attitude. And I was like, like, well, great. Pack your you stuff. <laughs> I'm going to head out, you know, I'll have HR come in and take care of it. <laughs> so, um, that happened, and then we had another designer leave who was that person's best friend. So yeah, it was kind of like, damage. yeah. And, you know, um, all those decisions, like, they feel stressful in the moment, I think, because you're kind of like, you're looking out over the, the horizon like, okay, like, yeah. we got a lot to get us. going, Who's yeah. And... um but it, they're all the right decisions, and that's how you that's how you live with it, and you move on because what you you know that all your next steps and the the bend don't break that comes right after that it's worth it because you're you're getting something better. So um, we hit that point in the summer, and I we brought in a, this was one of my epic failures this year. Um, we we I I had somebody else hired for me a designer, and. Um, that was the last one that I was like, okay, I'm taking over hiring because I, philosophically it has to be this way. Um, so we bring this guy in, young kid, out of school, and uh, we set him up for complete failure, complete and utter failure. <laughs> and I, I, I could say this with a straight face because I told him this after he quit. And so I, 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 I apologized to him. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Um, but we brought him in. And we were not doing SOPs. We we had nothing documented. Nobody was, it was just like the watch me method. It was everywhere. <laughs> and the problem with the Poor watch guy. me, yeah. The problem with that is like nobody learns the same way. And so there's no way to repeat that result. Even like I said before, maybe you can't even repeat it. So um, we got to this point and we had him on a pretty big project for us. And uh, he made some mistakes. So we went to print. This is like we're installing phase one. And we're printing and all these prints are coming out wrong. They're not paneled right. And there's like uh, registration marks in the print and everything. It's like, this is, everything is bad. Like, this is all bad. And um, I was up here in Fort Collins. I hadn't gone down to Denver yet 
and I got a call and it was uh, my GM at the time. And he's like, hey, dude, having these problems. And I was talking with this kid about it. And it was my, I had just promoted a lead designer because this is kind of like right before I start rolling out EOS. So I'm, I'm ready and I'm starting to think about it, but I haven't briefed anybody on it yet. I'm just trying to like get some people in place. So I promote this gal to our lead designer and then the two people who are his bosses basically come down on him. How could you let this happen? Blah, 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 you know? And um, all that's my fault. Like make no mistake. Like I, I had not done a good job of making, like coaching up their individual leadership at that point. So the only way they knew how to handle it was the hardwired like defensiveness of like, it's not my fault. Yeah. It's your fault. Yeah. And so that. You should have known better. Yeah. So that happened, and then um, I'm in this conversation with this guy, my GM, and uh, I'm like, well, okay, don't worry about it. I'll talk to him when I get there. I had a really good conversation with him, and he cuts me off. He says, you don't need to worry about that. He quit and walked out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I was. I just hung up. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything good right now, so yeah. that was a bounce. Um, so I get in there. I call him, and uh, I'm like, what happened? And he's like, I'll tell you exactly what happened. And, um, I didn't offer him anything back and I didn't, I didn't try to get him back or anything because I, I do feel that personally, like if you're willing to do that, then that's okay. It's just, it's probably not going to be what like I need, you know, but I apologized to him and I said, Hey, I want you to know that's our fault. Like, I don't blame you and yeah, you made a mistake, but we did not prepare you to not make it. So yeah. Um, it's such I, a for failure, yeah. especially coming fresh out of school. Yeah. You, you had no experience nope. to lean on. I mean, that's none tough. of that. Yeah. So we, we set him up for failure. I told him, if you need anything, let me know. Like, otherwise, good luck. I wish you the absolute best with sincerity. Um, and then I talked to those two people and I, I was too angry to dig into it. And so like the best thing I think you can do in a situation like that is like try to get to the most succinct critical message you have out of all that and only say that and nothing else and then be like if you have to be rude about it in the conversation if they're like hey let's talk about it yeah don't <laughs> like if you got to know where you're at and i was not happy so my my message there was just like that's our fault we failed him we will not do that again yes and then that's when we started i, I refused to hire a designer and my designers were stressed because they were like Dude, we this summer peak load. We got big projects after big after big project. It's like I don't care, get it done. And oh, by the way, we're gonna build an SOP. Like we are gonna onboard people with this calendar. Four weeks, we should be able to teach them the core, like seventy to eighty percent of the job functions in four weeks. And every single thing is gonna be documented, and they will progress through this calendar. And that will be how it is. And we will, if you don't know how to do this the same way, like right now then you need to take time at home and we need to define what we expect. Like if we don't, how are we going to teach you how to set up and format a wall wrap if you and you don't do it the same way? Right. So we're going to fix that and then we're going to document it. And then and only then will I hire somebody to bring into it. So now that we're incentivized to be like, okay, we got to get this process figured out straight away. And it's so crucial going forward because God forbid something happens to one of them. Yeah. Now you're even worse than you were before. Yep. So so what's the what's the big hairy audacious ten year goal that you have 
for the company? Uh, the BHAG. Uh, so I haven't actually defined one yet. Um, I want to just because I feel like that's something I need to, you know, but I have it. My gut says like... What's your 10-year vision? 10-year, like I, w- I would like to be $30 million, uh in revenue. Um, I'd like to be 12 to 15% net. And I think in order to do that, we're going to need uh, multiple locations in the state, which is probably going to be a hub and spoke system with like a production facility and sales and admin elsewhere. Yep. And then uh, we'll uh, ideally somewhere like back east, you know, have a nationwide presence. That's that's what I Let's view go. for it. Um, I don't view it as like we're going to do everything. I don't think that's where we're going to go. Um, I like what we do. And we do it really, really well. Like, I'll take my team over anybody, you know. So I think we just need to focus on being the best at that and then expanding our physical proximity because there's a lot of that, you know. Because of what we do, it's very tangible. So there's a lot of the old, it's not all digital. There are still people who are like, hey, look, I don't want to take my fleet of 50 cars over to you. Like, you're in Denver, I'm in Cheyenne. So, um yeah, yeah, I think 10 years, 30 million rev, 15, 12, 15% net, um, multiple locations. And I like that hub and spoke system um, where you have just like an awesome production facility and then couriers. So I love it. What do you got to do in the next three years to be on pace for that? Um, well, we got to, I got to get a different building. It's weird to say, but like our, our physical space is not the most conducive to how efficiently we'd like to run. So I need a, I need a bigger footprint building to be able to work with. Um, and then we need to, uh, our sales team and our sales process is one of the most, I think, disconnected things still because that's where I've spent a lot of my time still. So uh, next, like our 2023 initiative is basically continue to build our marketing roadmap without like the foundations that we're being laid right now. And then with our new software, we're launching in Q1, we're going to roll that into like a entirely uh, rebuilt and documented sales process that will be scalable, teachable, repeatable, and simplified. And yeah. so that way we can we can cut through that discovery and guide our customers a little bit better, but then just keep building that momentum because that's that's one big thing in the industry that I think kills everybody is in sales in general. Just build momentum, keep it going. So I just want to uh, commend you because. Uh, to unpack it for the audience, there are no shortcuts. No accuracy before speed. Yeah, you have to prioritize the next most important thing. You cannot do everything at once because otherwise, nothing gets done well. Yeah, and it's uh, Gary Keller's the one thing right. You got to do yeah. the next most important domino that's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary. Yeah, and prioritizing that is the challenge of entrepreneurship, but it's also the fun. It's the game, yeah, you know? it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The prioritization that that is tough because it's like. It's a blessing and a curse because you're like, I'm the number one critic of Bink Monster. Like, right. just everything that's out there that we can't improve on. Like, I feel like I know most of that and I'm constantly learning every day. Um, but finding, you gotta, you can't do it all at the same time. Like, you gotta, you gotta find the biggest way to create that ripple effect and that, that momentum transfer from you to another person you got to find that first and do that first. So if you got five daunting tasks, who is the most ready person around you who can take it from you and, and integrate it 
without you. Do that first. Yeah. Because you'll feel like you just moved a mountain. So um <laughs> delegate to elevate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the sales for us is um I, you know, I was never my goal. The 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 former owner, he was the only salesperson for years and years and years. That was his thing. I do not want to do that. Like yeah, I, you're, you're trying to get a business, not a yeah, job. Exactly. So um I I'm trying to successfully basically exit that. Um, and we're not there yet. So that's one of my big things that we're working on with, uh, 2023 coupling with the marketing. Cause it's, it's plain and plain as day is like we, when we solve that, I think that's when our exponential growth is going to kick off. Cause I think we're just, we have this, like, we're in a pressure cooker right now yeah. <laughs> and we have this lid and it's, it's about to burst and we're about to break through it, but we got to get a couple more things laid in and then we'll blow that lid off. So dude, I'm so damn proud of you. Thanks man. It's fun to watch. You've done a tremendous job on social lately. Yeah, lately. Your website looks good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think you need to do more on just the storytelling yeah. on social about the process and the journey. So you do this really well. I would love for you to like just help me in this regard because okay. it's like, and I'm sure some people listening to this uh, probably feel the same. Like, uh, to be frank, a couple things. Like one, I don't know if I'm good at it. This is my first podcast. feels a little awkward. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Real-time feedback. Yeah. Um, but that, and then just knowing how to present it, what to talk about. Um, and and so, yeah, the content, like I think you're really good at that. I follow you on LinkedIn. So honestly, Darius, who's our executive producer, yep. who's my partner, <clears throat> he is tremendous at that. He yeah. helped me get clear. So it's kind of like step one is, who am I actually talking to? Okay. Who are they? Where do they hang out? What do they care about? What do they feel from the seat that you're sitting in? What is the story that you're trying to communicate to them? Mm-hmm. Um, the second part, once you get clear on that, is just understanding what are, what are the things that I'm going to talk about, right? It's like, that's actually this this image that's sitting right here, right? These are, these are all the things that relate to entrepreneurship, right? Sales, marketing, product, service, finance, growth, operations, leadership, everything we're talking about, right? Yeah. But then it also flows into family and personal finance, yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of So I, I now know who I'm speaking to so that I can get the proper voice of who I'm talking to. Okay. And then what I need to talk about. And then from there, what I've been working on now that I have that is what's my system? Okay. I write one core piece of content via a newsletter that goes out every single week. It's curated. Plus I have my own commentary that I've added now to it. Okay. So that's my thought. Well, that creates my whole entire set of uh, content for the week. And then I just have different formats of that. I have a story that I tell that's more personal, a personal reflection, a contrarian take, um, a uh, now versus then. Like, Mm -hmm. here's what I used to do. This is how I do it now, right? Um, Here's my tweet. Here's my listicle. Here's my um, whatever, LinkedIn Mm -hmm. uh, carousel. What's listicle? Listicle's like... Uh, here's the 10 tools that you need for oh, okay. managing operations in your company if you're a product business. Okay, you know, got it. Like bullet, bullet, digestible bullet point. Kind of stuff. Yeah, so it works real good in a tweet thread or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the problem that I've found is people start creating content, and I know this because I did it personally. <laughs> they start with what they should talk about, not who they're talking to. Yeah. So it gets real fuzzy if you don't have this true north of like, oh, I'm talking to this person. Like our avatars, right? Laster, an entrepreneur, 35 to 45, men, married, kids. That's primary. Obviously, there's bleed over on all sure. that. But I know what they care about, who they follow, what types of content they consume, where they're hanging out at. Yeah. And then I just go there, and those are the primary sources where I go create contact. So, dude, we should sit down and... Yeah, I'd love that because uh, that is a weak spot I know is like... um 
there's a lot of people who still don't know like Ink Monster had this transaction and it's changed hands and yeah. they find out and they're like, oh, thank God. Oh, oh I can work with you again. <laughs> it's like, hell yeah, we'll take your business. Yeah, uh, so that's what I'm saying is like for you, it's a big uh, uh, brand, personal development, business development thing yeah. of telling the story of Ink Monster, especially as you guys get really niche on like, hey, here's the things that we do. Yeah. Because your, your stuff's super visual. So when, yeah. you, when you share 100%. it, it's tremendous, right? But, yeah. You you have a lot to say, man. You're a smart cat. You're very philosophical. You think a lot about the work that you do and and try to build frameworks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to share that with the world. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That's uh, yeah, I'd love to sit down too on another session and just pick your brain on that. But. Let's do it. All right, so <clears throat> we'll close with this. Yep. If somebody's watching this right now, mm-hmm. they're looking for inspiration or motivation to finally take the entrepreneurial leap. What do you tell them? Man. Um, I would tell you when, like, if not now, when, because if, if you stall, the the answer is like, well, I don't know. And then that means it's not, it's not going to happen. This is too big of a thing to do for you to not be able to answer that question. Because if you asked me that three years ago, I'd say when I find the right deal, but I'm looking. Right. And if you asked me that, um, a year ago or a year and a half or whatever it was, I'd say, you know, when we close, but we got to get through this obstacle. And so the people that are, it doesn't matter if you've actually achieved it. You know, I think you're like me in this way. It's like the achievement is like this weird, bittersweet thing of like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like next because I'm not ready to park and plant my flag and just, be done, you know, and, and, um, sometimes it sounds nice to just be content and sit down and be like, I love this and I, I don't want to try my hand at anything else. Like I'm, I'm mastered. I'm good, you know, but, um, for me, it was always like, I couldn't answer that question when for a long time. And then I was getting comfortable and that scared me. It just, it scared me to sit there and just like, I literally went home one day and I was like crying. Yeah. Cause I was like, I was talking to my wife. I said, like, I cannot not know if I can do that. Like I cannot live my life. Like just, and I had a great job. I'm like, I can't just do that forever. And I can't get to the end and just not, not know. Give me the chills, dude. Yeah. So that that's a, I felt like it, it was like an existential threat to not know. And so when, when are you going to? And if you're taking steps, you're going to tell me right now when this happens and when that happens, but I'm working on it. Um, That's so good, dude. My, yeah. my wife has a quote that I love because it gives me a lot of uh, peace in making decisions mm-hmm. that I've never done before. Yeah. She says, <laughs> she says, you can always deal with the, oh shit, that didn't work out, but it's the what if that'll kill you. Yeah. Amen. hundred <laughs> percent. Cause it's like, you can always go get a job again. You're actually be more employable when you have these skills. I'm yeah. like, Valid that's point? a great, great point. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Yeah. So uh, true. I love that, man. Um, 
Yeah, get out there, do it because like you ideas, I say this in our content because it's visual, but I mean it like your ideas are meant to be shared. Amen. They're not meant for you to just sit on and wonder, you know, Jordan Peterson says, if you're not willing to speak up and, and voice this thing and that, that voice could be entrepreneurship. It could be your company that is in your head and it's just a, a kernel, like one small seed of an idea, or it could be anything. But if you are not willing to give it a voice then kill it mm. because it it's over like you got to give it a voice so do it i love that if people want to follow along with you and your journey where's the best place on social media for them to connect uh linkedin um you know facebook i nah yeah. instagram nah you're too young for that yeah i'd say <laughs> yeah i'd say instagram or uh, uh linkedin is the best uh, place to check us out and that's where i'm Trying to get better at being more consistent on there. and That's a lot of where your audience is content. hanging out to. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude, I appreciate you. I'm yeah, very proud of you. I love yeah. you. I can't wait to have you back in another year and yeah. uh, just hear the next part of the story. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to catch up. What's up, everyone? My name is John White. I'm the CEO of Inc. Monster, and this is Pain to Profits.